This is a data privacy detective, and it's January 28th, 2022. This is Data Privacy Day. And today we're going to talk about quantum computing and what that really means for all of us, uh, our data privacy. And with us is my guest. He's been on before, Ken Morris. Ken is the CEO of Connect IQ. Now, that's a company that provides uh, beyond the military grade identity authentication, access, and data protection solutions for the most sensitive environments. So, Ken, thank you for joining us today. Good to be with you. Yeah, good to be back, Joe. Thank you very much. Well, we're going to talk about quantum computing, and let's just stop there. What is it? Let's start with defining it. How, how do we think about quantum computing? Well, it's probably helpful to at least compare it to what most people are probably familiar with today in terms of classical computing, which is essentially uh, zeros and ones on or off. It's pretty binary. That's really uh, what yes. it is, whether it's yeah, a photo or a sentence, everything's exactly. zeros and ones, and then it gets reproduced. Right. Okay. Yeah. It, so we'll exactly. call that conventional computing. Okay. Exactly. And on the quantum computing side, it really just takes advantage of the properties of what we call quantum states, super imposition, interference, entanglement to do calculations. And so you basically end up with ones, zeros, and then you know, a super imposition of a one and a zero. And so you end up with effectively uh, a turbocharged uh, computing environment that allows um, quantum computers to do things such as factoring integers very, very quickly. Uh, it might take millions or trillions of years to do that on a classical system, but it yeah. becomes seconds to minutes to hours. Maybe uh, just so we can all get our minds around, it's a little bit like a light switch. Now, when I grew up, a light switch was either on or off. <laughs> and then along yes. came dimmers, and now it could be anything. It's sort of that you're saying that uh, qubits, Q-U-B-I-T, that you read about, can be zeros and ones or something in between all at the same time. So much more powerful than just if you have only a, a zero or one choice. That's exactly correct. And it allows for options to be tested or computed on um, all at the same time. And so when we think about it, it's an extraordinarily powerful uh, tool set. And that'll be great for all sorts of things, from medical research to uh, you know all sorts of very positive applications. But like most things in life, it has a dark side because the thieves and the criminals can, can use it as well to break into things. Now, some commentators can say that quantum computing will mean the end of data privacy, at least as we know it. It's going to be an apocalypse and uh, because it's, it's going to allow the bad guys, I'll just say. Uh, to get our personal information almost at will, given, uh, you know, if you're a, a safe cracker, now you can crack any safe quickly. Uh, so let me pause there. What, 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 it'll certainly make brute force attacks easier. No question about that. But what's your take on this? Are we facing the end of data privacy? Uh, not necessarily. And, and we both know there are people who say there's no data privacy today anyway. Uh, uh, but, you know, that, that's, that's uh, just an interesting knows? point. Right. Interesting <laughs> exactly. Point. But uh, in terms of uh, using uh, quantum computing to, to attack uh, encryption, and we can get more into that in a minute, uh, to get access uh, to uh, private information, be it health or, or just PII in general, uh, the, the focus really comes down to is what's the strength of the cryptographic algorithms that were actually used? 
And so today's systems are all based on, and this is about everything we do today. You go to the bank, you do something on your website. It's all using a, um, a system called PKI, a public key infrastructure. And so the challenge is when we think about the apocalypse, that is only relevant if, in fact, we have not solved the problem of what do we do with public key infrastructure uh, and how do we solve that core problem of if the public key exists, I get it, I can factor the private key very quickly and, and so, then have so, access. So, so we all understand together, when you say a public key, give us a sense of what you're talking about. Yeah, um, the, 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 the system is called RSA. Most people have probably heard of that. And uh, it underlies all vast majority of, of uh, cryptographic uh, modalities that are used today. And it requires a public key, which was designed to be moved about the internet. People can get it, but they can't do anything with it because with a classical computing uh, system that we've talked about before, you cannot create the private key from which that was derived. So you keep your private key locked away um, and, and safe. You actually can't uh, get access to encrypted data or do it in a way that that can okay. be encrypted. So if I'm a person or if I'm a business or a company or a government, I have a private key to my data. But in order to share it with others, this public key is what you're talking about. Yes, because you do not want that private key out in the wild, because if you do, then yes, you you lose the integrity, confidentiality and security of that information. Yeah. So we're talking about two keys. And, and I, I think You've educated me before. Our data is most at risk when it's in flight, when it's moving from one place to another. Yes. And the entire PKI system supports securing data in transit. Very good. Now, some of the solutions I've heard about to be defenses against uh, the bad forces uh, who might acquire the powers of quantum computing. Uh, one is quantum encrypted communication systems. And that's the idea that, uh, oh, once you develop that, it can't be broken because it's protected by the laws of physics, not the laws of governments, but the laws of physics. What do you think of, of that concept? Well, that is that, it's actually true. I mean, the, the math works fine, uh, but it might be helpful to back up here for just a second to, yeah. to help the, uh, the listeners understand there's really two schools of thought here. One is the path of quantum-safe cryptography, which you just introduced here. It's using cryptographic algorithms that are sort of post-quantum and they're safe against attacked by a quantum computer. But the caveat here is that my quantum computer is 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 not bigger than yours. Sounds in, like an arms words, race. Exactly. Sounds like an arms exactly. no, no, no. Yeah. The the other school of thought, uh, and this is really just beginning to um, to gain some traction, because it it looks at the underlying problem is the existence of the public key. And so the question becomes, can we have systems that are based on, and, and there's some things to do with zero trust, that will allow for the same level of security or even more enhanced security that we have today without the need for a public key uh, infrastructure. And so uh, in quantum safe cryptography and quantum key distribution, those are relying on the existing PKI infrastructure. We're just trying to harden the public key. So the public key doesn't go away. We're just trying to make it harder for a quantum uh, computer to, uh, to actually factor or the, the private key from which that was derived. And another phrase that, that uh, is coming into uh, use is homomorphic 
in encryption. And, and I think an example would be, let's say there's a database of uh, very sensitive health data, people who've had cancer, whatever it may be, and they, you know, they may not want to let that out, highly uh, sensitive information about each person. But it's the idea that you can allow, let's say, university researchers or health companies to perform calculations without actually seeing the underlying individual data. It's sort of a pseudonymization of data, as I understand it. Uh, what do you think of this idea of homomorphic encryption? Well, it uh, it, it certainly has its place. Uh, it uh, it's a great tool set, particularly if, as you mentioned, if you're performing calculations. So it, it's well suited to dealing with um, mathematical um, types of data that allow you to do some things without having to decrypt it, uh, the data. So there's certainly a place for that. Uh, it is expensive from a computational standpoint in that it it's 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 slow. Uh, certainly in, in encryption processes as, as we time them today. But it is a tool that can be used. Now, whether or not that is something that is effective for uh, a quantum-resistant model, that's another question. Yeah, yeah. It's only a piece of the I wouldn't protect uh, maybe your financial data or your right. personal health data if somebody gets into your, your data uh, base. So what, what is your company's approach? What is Connect IQ's approach to this puzzle of how we're going to deal with privacy in an age that's coming soon of quantum computing? Well, we look at, uh, let's solve the underlying problem. The underlying problem is the existence of a public key. Now, we understand that PKI is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. And so the question is, as we're in that, that other school of thought, let, let's eliminate the problem. Can one create a, an environment where you provide a superior security solution that at the same time is more agile and it enables organizations to, uh, to connect and partner with each other, particularly with uh, the movement of data and access uh, to the relevant devices? And so we, we essentially developed a technology called CyberStep Zero, which eliminates the need for PKI without having to rip out architectures. It's a zero-based um, sort of trust model that is highly agile, um, very flexible, cost-effective, and it allows uh, a level of insight and understanding of what's happening to access the data, what's happening with access to cryptographic algorithms, and furthermore, uh, there's a principle or two that we adhere to, and these are vital. One is that no credential or secret exists outside of its immediate function. Today, we're storing all of these credentials and secrets. The second uh, principle that we adhere to is that when you're establishing a proxy for identity, that you cannot violate the first principle. And so that allows for this completely ephemeral, yet highly hardened, a secure environment to move data from place to place. In fact, it is, it's peer related. So you move from one point to one point and that's whether or not they're behind network walls. If somebody intercepts the data, and this is the problem today, if I intercept the data in the public keys and I have a quantum computer, I'm going to by and large be able to- You, you, you have my data. It's, that's, it's exactly. That. exactly. We prevent that. We absolutely prevent that. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, Using sort of these two principles, uh, a bad actor cannot even access the device that uh, or data set or wherever that that may house the data or one that is attempting to move the data because those keys 
Uh, and we don't use certs, by the way, but those keys only exist in the place the university need to exist. And that is by the device that is actually doing the encryption and decryption. At that point, they're, uh, they, do, they no longer need to exist. And that's right. a very different approach. Mm -hmm. And so we see that as being, frankly, much more effective long term versus trying to continue to wrestle with PKI, which I would argue is is an outdated um, infrastructure, particularly when it comes to zero trust. If we're all going to move to zero trust, PKI is not particularly helpful in that regard. And so it's, uh, it, it won't eliminate encryption and the, uh, the idea of encrypting data, but it moves beyond that and to this second school of thought, as you put it, to, to just prevent it. But you're, uh, would I be right? Let's say I have my data on my PC and I'm not moving it, I have it. I'm, I'm still at risk if I let a thief into my data room if I let a hacker in. So I've still got to worry about that. But uh, what you've described would prevent a hacker from going to a database, uh, which it does attack. And that's what we read about all the time, these huge data breaches where our social security numbers get taken. Uh, you know, not, not because we did anything wrong, but uh, somebody else did something wrong, let the thief into the, through the public key, as you're talking about. So that, that, that am I right? Yeah. That's really uh, it, it really a quite a different idea from what we see generally out there in the marketplace. But uh, do, do I have the basic idea? Yeah, the, the, the basic idea is, uh, is, is accurate. Uh, there are really the two problems here. One is, is the cryptographic protection. Uh, right. By the way, the math behind cryptography today is fine. If you use a long enough key, for example, symmetric keys, mm -hmm. uh, even a quantum computer, not going to be able to, uh, in any meaningful time anyway, uh, to be able to factor um, and, and try and crack that encryption. So um, we don't worry about it in that regard, but that's typically is not the discussion. The discussion is we have to maintain PKI, therefore we have to try and figure out how do we create a harder public key. That's really the model. And a lot of the standards are moving to that direction. But unfortunately, what you lose is agility. What you lose is the ability to prevent um, a bad actor from uh, pretending to be someone else. You can still have a man in the middle of the attack in that regard because you're still using certificates, which is a proxy right. for identity. Now it's harder, uh, but we say just eliminate the problem because know the devices on each end at the beginning of the process. Thereby, you, you're, you're not subject to these credential-based attacks. Secondly, when your data is moving freely on the internet, it's, it's encrypted, uh, just like we do it today, but access to the keys to decrypt that don't exist until it's time for the only device in the universe for which that data is, uh, is intended. And uh, even, a, even a quantum computer can't deal with something if it doesn't have the something. If it doesn't <laughs> exist, there's nothing to factor on. What can you compute? Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. I mean, brilliant. we see this as an Occam's razor problem. Look, let's just look for the, the simplest and effective solution that solves the underlying problem as opposed to building on the underlying problem and trying to get harder and harder and harder and harder uh, keys. Excellent. Let me ask you one last thing as we uh, round up this discussion of quantum computing and what it means for our data, and that is, uh, would you agree with me? There's a, a real need for global uh, pan-government uh, standard setting and enforcement, but coupled with, is there any real hope for that? Well, the certainly the short answer is having what I would call effective standards, yes, uh, there is a need for that. Now, on the other hand, 
getting, um, let's just say, all the cats around the table uh, to agree on what the standards are. And if we just look even in our history here in the United States, on average, it takes years to develop standards uh, yeah. because everyone sort of has their their say and well, it should be X or should be Y or should be Z. And, and typically a lot of the standards become, interestingly enough, compromises that uh, may not resolve um, the core problem anyway. And so we just res uh, resort and, and to let's solve the underlying problem. Let's solve the problem. As, and so individuals and businesses can do this. They don't have to be told to do so by government. Exactly, exactly. Just get to it, get to it is yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Exactly. And the technology exists today. This is not as if somebody has to go invent something. And I know my good friends at NIST are working hard on, on quantum encryption, uh, quantum key distribution. And those have some other issues that if people want to talk about it, they can certainly reach out to me. But um, those are symptomatic because it's not solving what's driving the issue today. And thank you for taking us on this tour of quantum computing and what can be how it can be defended against. And the real fundamental question of uh, let's really take a look at the, uh, as you say, use Occam's razor, cut out a lot of the noise and all the issues and say, what's the real problem here and get to it. I think that was so helpful. And it really is the reason I, I will conclude this uh, podcast, as I always do, protecting your personal data begins with you.